For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another earlobe-rattling, belly-wobbling episode of For Your Reconsideration, a film podcast which looks at the unwanted spawn of cinema and questions whether we can pull them back into the big, fat, filmic family unit. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you boys? <laughs> interesting <laughs> intro. That was an interesting <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Good. I, it suddenly went sing-song on me and I have no reason why. You know, It doesn't say on my notes here, go choral at any point. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jean Valjean it at the end. <laughs> Nala's not in the room psyching you out again, is she? No, no. I'm literally, I'm all alone here. I'm all alone. <laughs> How are you lads? You okay? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, Great. good, thank you, mate. How are you, man? How are you? Um, yeah, good. I'm not, you know, uh, nothing clever to say about that. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, uh, what have you been watching this week, fellas? Oh, so uh, I've got a couple of good ones. So I think we discussed on our last episode, Simon had been to see Uncut Gems on the big screen. I didn't get a chance to see it on the big screen, but I did watch it on Netflix and it was as good as Simon yes. said. Ooh. <laughs> Sandler has been robbed. Absolutely robbed this award oh, season. Really? Oh, no. He really has. Not saying he should have won, but he should have got the nomination. Yeah, without a doubt. Definitely should. Is it, um, is it is it really that pronounced that you know you feel like he really should have been involved in the conversation? It's so much better than any. Even it's a lot better. It's even much better than the work that he did in Punch Drunk Love right, because this right. is so in his wheelhouse as well. Uh, not. Not completely in his wheelhouse. He's sort of building on his own comedic performance. Yeah. It, it works really well with him from his persona. Yeah. As well as what... Yeah, it's just... I'm not explaining it very well. He's, he's really, really good, and it's well worth watching. Wicked. He's amazing. I saw uh, someone on Twitter uh, the other day say they didn't like Uncut Gems, and it was a very one-note performance. And I was just like... Oh, behave. No, it's not. It's absolutely I mean, he does, a, he does do a fair amount of shouting, to be fair. There is a lot of shout. It's a very shouty movie. Oh, yeah, the whole thing's very shouty. At any point does he go, shut up! Pretty much. <laughs> Which is all the time. <laughs> does he? Oh, yeah. wow. So he even gets a, some of his shtick in there as well, Marvel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, did you catch um, Kathy Bates, uh, her interaction with him on Twitter? Oh, that was amazing, yeah. No. Yeah, so what is it? Um, Mama still loves you, Bobby Boucher. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was in the waterfall, wasn't she? <laughs> so good. Because he, so, he tweeted something like, the Sandman hasn't been nominated, so I don't have to wear suits anymore, but Mama has, and then she tweeted him back with that message that Rob said. That's so, yeah, it's brilliant. Because she's got nominated, hasn't she, for Richard Jewell, so. Right. Yeah, oh, okay, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, what have you been geez. watching, Sai? Uh, th- th- I had no cinema trips for me, which was quite sad because I've been—I was enjoying my start to the year where I was going to the cinema quite a lot. But I did catch up with a film. I think you mentioned James on a previous episode. Yeah, Booksmart. Oh yes, what oh, a film yeah. that is. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, the the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, herself part of the FYR alumni, having appeared on the Tron Legacy episode. Yes, welcome back, Olivia. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, uh, Booksmart. I, it was it was amazing. Oh, so good. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, yeah, I adored it uh, so much so that I think it quite possibly might be my favourite film of last year. Wow. That's oh good. wow, wow. Yeah, it does hit like a lot of like similar beats to like Superbad in terms of its narrative structure. There's a lot of similar bits going on. Last day of school, then a party yeah. you want to go to, and yeah. you know, 
the police and all that. You know, there's a lot of similar bit. But aside from that, Jonah Hill's sisters in Jonah it. Hill's like... sisters in it. <laughs> but apart from the sort of narrative, the basic narrative structure of it, there's so much stuff going on. What's like really adventurous and quite interesting yeah. um, from all sorts of points of view, and it's so funny and it all flows really naturally. The script is really good. Yeah. This is all thanks to like an amazing leading partnership between Caitlin Denver and Bernie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's sister, as you said, James. And their on-screen chemistry is just so good. Ah, yeah. cool. I-, I read somewhere that Olivia Wilde made a point of having everyone on set being on the same level and it being a really happy set and a fun set. Ah. It really comes across in the film because... Even though it's America, it's what high school was for me in the last year. Everyone was mates by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been with each yeah. other five years. There's no knobbers, there's no villains. They're all still friends. And I just love that about it. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was really, really, really good. Ah. Yeah. And it's it's definitely one like you should check out if you haven't already seen it. Yes, which I believe it's on Amazon Prime it is. video. Yeah. I'm just UK. about to ask that. Is it on Prime? It is. Cool. It is on Prime. Nice. Can I shout out another one, guys, actually, yeah. just before we move on? Because I was certain that this particular film was going to be absolute brilliant fodder for this podcast. But as it turned out, it was a massive hit and <laughs> critically well-received as well. Uh, so we can't do it. So I've got to plug it now. So uh, Crawl. Have you guys heard of Crawl? Oh, the Crocodile year? film. Yes. So ah. it would have gone very well with a double bill with Rogue. Oh. <laughs> which we've covered on the podcast previously. Absolutely. Is this the... Um, this is a house, isn't it? And the crocs are in the house. Yeah, is that yeah. the one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's directed by Alexandra Arja. Yes. Uh, and it's a brilliant type piece of genre filmmaking in which a young woman and her dad get trapped in a crawl space with a bunch of alligators in Florida during a hurricane. That's ace. <laughs> Sold. Yeah, it's really, really good. And what, and it was like on a tiny budget for what they actually pull off. It's like thirteen to forty uh, to fifteen million dollars. No way. Like, so tiny budget, uh, and it's really good. And fun fact: Quentin Tarantino said it was his favorite film of last year. Wow! 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 Not Booksmart, sadly not Booksmart. I don't know if he'd seen it. He, he did caveat it with saying because he'd work, been working, he hadn't seen that much. But in terms of basically what he said was. As a movie, setting out what it wants to achieve, it absolutely achieves that in its 90-minute runtime. I've heard it's very good. I've only read good things about it. So, yeah. Yeah, you two will really dig it. It's really good. Is it it scary? Jump scares, more than anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like... a bit like uh, a quiet place in terms of it's just ratcheting up. Yeah, that tension it's just like all massively tense right the way through. It's just a great fun movie to watch, and like I say, it's really, really economic in its runtime. Yeah, really tightly choreographed, and it's just really well realised. Cool. I'm glad you brought that one back in there, mate. Because I'll be, yeah. I'll be yeah. like flying at that. That sounds amazing. Well, you love a creature feature, don't you, Rob? Oh, that is really, I do. I it's do. Well, well worth it. as evidenced by tonight's selection. Boys, my watching history this week is even more embarrassing than usual. Um, so, oh, it can't um, be. It can't possibly get any worse than it has been. It's become a weekly feature. Like, what has Rob been watching this week? <laughs> um, and, and this is even worse because we last recorded a couple of weeks back. And so I've had two whole weeks to try and, you know, finagle some sort of 
<laughs> something to talk about. But no, I've you could just... have watched Uncut Gems. I could have. I could have. <laughs> You're right. I could have. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I've only managed to watch a metric butt ton of hydraulic press compilation videos. Sorry, what? <laughs> Uh, it's just some geezer in um, Eastern Europe who has a hydraulic press, I assume through work, and he squashes stuff with it. Again, this is not oh, my choice. I, I just <laughs> moving on, moving on. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> look, boys, you can laugh all you want, but I now know what a cheeseburger does under ten thousand pounds of pressure. So <laughs> let me get it. Let me guess. It goes really flat. Uh, no, it turns into like horrible liquidy goop. It's horrendous. Um, but there is sort of like a, a hypnosis to uh, to watching it. But uh, anyway, you're right, mate. We literally don't need to talk about that anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I've not been watching anything, but I have been listening to something. So, boys, can I? Would do I get your express permission to shout out a fellow film podcast, please? Oh, please do. Yes. Awesome, please do. awesome. Well, can I recommend Matt and Mike Pull Focus? They uh, are predominantly on YouTube at the moment, but they are two funny guys and two very nice fellas, and they are. Um, spot on with what they're talking about. And and um, I think that actually they clearly harbour that same pure joy of cinema that, that we have. And their discussions are really, really great. And they put loads of effort into their uh, videos on YouTube. So please check them out. They're really worth a listen. Really worth a listen. Awesome. Cool. I will, I will do. Excellent. Excellent. So tonight's movie, um, when I was watching it last night um, for the billionth time, for me features some fantastic puppetry. So I wanted to ask you guys, what is the best puppet, or I suppose you could say animatronic, you've ever seen in a film? Jurassic Park. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the correct answer, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously that answer is so... Should we just move on? I mean, that answer is so crushing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. You could actually call it there. Um, shall we, for the purposes of, of discussion and the runtime we hope to achieve, shall we, <laughs> shall we continue by saying that um, forget Jurassic Park? It's very hard to forget what they did on Jurassic Park. But I've got, I've got a few, though. Go in for it, Spielberg go for it, please. Wheelhouse. So we have Bruce the Shark from Jaws, obviously, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he didn't work most of the fucking time. And if he had, that film would not be as iconic or as well-made as it is. He had to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The fact that the yeah. shark didn't work most of the shoot, he had to find a way around that, and that's where you get... John Williams's iconic score and the fin and the move uh, and the shots underwater. Yeah, yeah. Another Spielberg is obviously, and I think Rob, you might actually subscribe to this given your one eighty on a little alien fella. <laughs> so um, Mac and me, yeah, Mac and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Et is a wonderful little creation. The amount of pathos they get into that. What is essentially a little walking brown turd with eyes? (laughs) (laughs) It's outrageous, that. The amount of pathos and humanity and just soul that they imbue into that little rubber thing. He's he's absolutely (laughs) brilliant, isn't he? He he really is. What a lovely way of describing him there, James. I don't think anyone in film (laughs) criticism history has managed to do that as well as you just did. (laughs) Well, that's why Steven Spielberg is one of the greatest living filmmakers in the sense that he goes, look at this ugly little thing, right? You will love him. You will cry for him by the end of this film. Oh, yes. (laughs) Him and his stretchy neck. <laughs> and, no, and, and to think I want you know every time he he put his neck up, all I wanted to do was was kick it, you know, like 
put a big dent in that neck. That's all I wanted to do for no, you. Like roundhouse kick. Ah, oh, with, <laughs> with a pair of Nutan work boots. That's what we... <laughs> <laughs> Stick a timber end right up against his epiglottis. Oh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but no longer. But no longer. Well, not no, long, no, no longer, actually. No longer. In fact, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't agree anymore with that with my earlier self. Do you have any anything that springs to mind, Si? The... The big one what sort of jumped out straight away outside of the T-Rex in Jurassic Park um, was uh, every single thing in The Thing. Oh, yes! Uh, is absolutely amazing. Totally. It's one of the reasons why that film is so good yeah. because it's all practical and why it's not dated at all because yeah. yeah. it looks so good. Yeah. It's really, really good. So all everything in The Thing. You're yeah. so right there, Sai, because as soon as you said The Thing, I went, there's puppets in The Thing. I went, of course there is. Like, the whole thing's <laughs> a puppet. I never even think yeah, of it that can, way. Can I, am, I allowed to, it's am I allowed to just let the listeners behind the curtain on one little thing? I think it was eight years ago, lads, this weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know this flashed up on my face. Did it? Right, eight years ago. Right, <laughs> listeners. This is how long, um, this is not even remotely how long that the three of us have known each other, but this is an indication of the calibre of people you're listening to at this point. Eight years ago, (laughs) we went on, um, uh, Simon, it was your, you won something, didn't you? Um, Tickets to Sci-Fi Weekender in um, Prostatin at Pontins. Was that eight years ago? Eight years, man, seriously. And and um, like we looked Best at the itinerary, the itinerary was absolutely amazing. But it was highlighted about on the Saturday night a midnight screening of the thing next yeah. next to a chicken nuggets bar. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. I'd never seen the thing before, but watching it at a sci-fi convention oh. while eating. <laughs> overcooked fried chicken is one of the best ways to experience that film for the first time, I think. So, uh, James, that weekend, <laughs> that weekend was absolutely superb. And like, it was, they, they had this bill of all the like famous sci-fi actors and writers who were going to turn up, but there was a massive problem with the train line from London, so no one could come. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> just... now, yeah. Brian Blessed made it though, didn't he? he? Did. I imagine he came on horse. <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> He came by sheer force of vocal will. <laughs> it, uh, the um, not. I mean, it was. It such, was so I remember good. living on pot noodles for a few days that that week. It was. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, I remember because it was like around the time of Avatar. Wasn't it, it was. So yeah. many navvies. Yeah, there was a lot of navvies yeah. at that sci-fi convention. Ah, oh, we got to go oh, again, boys. So hey, good. maybe <laughs> you know, should we make this like a, a goal? Let's do a live FYR at a, a sci-fi convention. Oh, imagine. Oh, I'd Incredible, yeah. Prostatin Pontins. What a venue! What a venue! <sighs> I wouldn't enjoy the nerdy bitter farts that filled the <laughs> atmosphere of the whole convention, though. Oh my god! People must have been drinking pure stout all they weekend. Must have been. Know, are you sure that wasn't the life-size jab of the hut in the corner? <laughs> it was probably just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, boys. Uh, forgive the segue. Um, uh, uh, on that topic, actually, um, for myself with puppets, I think Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi is amazingly good. Yeah, the tongue, the big tongue. Yeah, yeah. Is there, like, is there nine, like nine people in there, something like that? Gizmo in Gremlins is, is also good. Gremlins, of course, Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a massive soft spot for, I think, three things here, really. Quato in Total Recall, you know the oh, yeah. the baby in the belly. Use Quay. your mind. <laughs> yeah, um, used to scare the kids, you know, to death by grabbing any dolly at hand and going like, "Use your mind." <laughs> um, yeah. Graboids in Tremors, 
They're ace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're grab good. A, they're really grab good. A, I'm big. And they're <laughs> massive. And you get the sense of how quick they are and how nasty. I love those things. And Brundlefly in the fly. Yeah. Yeah, really, yeah, really gross. Especially when there's like bits popping off him towards the end. Um, what? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty horrible. Mass- the fly is pretty disgusting. <laughs> The fly is ninety minutes of pure boke. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe, can't believe no one's mentioned uh, Falco from Neverending Story. Though uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, that's a pretty good. He one. is, but he's, I mean, he's, he's. For me, I always thought like it's just a big spaniel, isn't it? Could <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? What? Well, <laughs> Feel free to take this outside because I've not prepped anyone on <laughs> this one. But can anyone think of a really bad one? <laughs> really bad. Just one. off the top, a really of bad puppet that, that um, just took you out of it and and just was garbage. I mean, I I hated the the taxi driver puppet in Total Recall. I know to go back to that, but you know um, the one that was driving Arnie around, Johnny Cab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Cab. That's Johnny it. Cab. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, didn't work for me that one. Oh, I've got one actually. Yeah? I went to see uh, Pulp Fiction on the big screen last year, right? And I never noticed this before, but you, slight spoilers for Pulp Fiction if you've not seen it. Uh, but there's this moment where Vincent and um, and Jules are driving along in the back, in the car, and they've got Marvin in the back, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Vincent accidentally blows Marvin's head off while they're, while they're driving along. Anyway, when it when they arrive at Jimmy's to try and get rid of the of the body and they open up the trunk inside is the worst Marvin puppet I've ever seen <laughs> like, it's literally just a mannequin with a hole in its head <laughs> and because I'd only ever seen the film on DVD I'd never noticed that before but up on the screen I was like, that is a shocking puppet <laughs> brilliant uh, I, I've actually thought that because um, does movement denote that it's a puppet you know, is that is that what makes it a puppet and not like? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it is. Yeah, mine was just a dummy. A doll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we're gonna, talk, you, you said the word doll, side because I'm thinking the worst ever of this is the baby in that um, American Sniper movie. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is. I mean, it's like it's like they went to Argos and got the one on what was on sale. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's just so. Awful. Uh, Poor Bradley Cooper having to emote and act. Yeah. Like I'm trying to win an Oscar Clint, here. What is Clint, going on what with are this? You doing? We, I mean, we at university doing our films, we would never have <laughs> gone near doing something like that. I love the uh, chutzpah of going for that. Just get a dolly. It'd be fine. <laughs> the Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. This week's movie. I'm going to claim it. It's my pick this week. And this movie needs no introduction. It's so iconic, I'm not even going to try and make the logline funny. Four teenage mutant ninja turtles emerge from the shadows to protect... Spoiler. (laughs) I'll start. You're absolutely right. Four teenage mutant ninja turtles emerge from the shadows to protect New York City from a gang of criminal... You guessed it, ninjas. (laughs) Um, Right? Uh. Our family grows. 
house. The city itself will be our playground to use as we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. I'm assuming that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the creators of the Turtles franchise, must be on some kind of commission from the World Ninja League or Federation for suddenly in the sort of early 90s, the word ninja became extremely desperately cool. (laughs) Not in England, though. It was banned in England. It was. They were hero turtles over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this is true. This is true. Um... You know, like, what do ninjas do? Oh, well, they're dead cool. They kick people and all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, no, we Ooh, can't we have that. that. We can't have that. They must be heroes. We're not having that here. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> In our primary school, uh, we had an assembly, a special assembly, where uh, she was called Mrs. Blake. She was, like, a very serious, angry teacher. And she banned us from playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the right, playground. Nice. I was like, how... How can you ban us playing? It was so bizarre. It was special assembly just to ban us from playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the playground. We had a similar thing in our school as well. This must have been a thing, Uh, but we just played it anyway. And then if one of the teachers came over, we just said that we were playing He-Man instead. It's like, (laughs) fucking off. Yeah, don't be the turtles, the four teenagers. Be the the steroidal massive dude in his underpants with a bob cut. Be him instead. (laughs) Uh, No, you know... I mean, like, at this same time, you know, like, uh, D'Artagnan was on TV, you know, wasn't it? You know, like, yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. not allowed to be four turtles. It's preferable, it's preferable that you will be instead four geezers in period costume or trying to get off with the same teenager. <laughs> Yeah, but that's based on a, a, a on a literary great novel, isn't it? Well, well, <laughs> I, snobbish, as is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As is, yeah, as as uh, Eastman and Laird would attest. <laughs> it's elitish rubbish. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Boys, what is your um, what is your history with the film? Oh, childhood, mate. Childhood. <laughs> Before we even get into that, I, I assume we're all we were all massive turtle heads in the late eighties and early nineties. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had all the yeah. action figures, watched the cartoon, all that jazz. Yes, yes, one hundred. Violently, almost biblically, so. Yeah, every every evening after school, I would rush home to watch Turtles animated series which was absolutely phenomenal. I was doing a little bit of looking into that. I actually watched the pilot episode yeah. of the animated series today. Nice. Uh, on my lunch break. And, oh, it's brilliant. It's, it's cool, so good isn't it? Still. It's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm pretty similar to the uh, origins in this mm, as well. Mm. It's a little bit different. It was so good. Um, I didn't have the figures myself. I always used to go around to my mate Martin's house to play them because he had all the figures and all the. And he had the he had the truck oh, and everything. The turtle wagon. Show a bit of everything. respect. <laughs> Sorry, the, the turtle wagon. <laughs> and then the and then the blimp. He had the turtle blimp. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't have that. The, I had yeah. the figures. I had Shredder. I had the wagon, and I don't know where my mum got these things from, right? But they had like these fancy dress outfits. Like they were so cheap and nasty. Honestly, they were just like pure rubber <laughs> and plastic yeah and it's just like a green half shell obviously you clip it round and then you'd put your mask of your favorite turtle on we managed to get my dad to wear one once which is absolutely <laughs> hilarious <laughs> and then me and my brother battered him with, <laughs> with various implements. all right so first question who was your favorite turtle rob oh, donatello james Raphael. Raphael was mine as well i love raf rob I think you're the first person I've ever known who Donatello was their favourite. Yeah, it always was. Always was. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I like it. Bit of variety. It, it might, it might be a little hint, a little shade of um, purple on green. Actually, works quite well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But no, I always... fashion reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that uh, Raph was uh, too much of a hothead for me. I, I, I you know, I, I love like... Raphael was always my favourite. Don't know no. why. I really, I can't. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I have a theory on this. So one of my gripes with this film is that Raphael in this film is nothing like he is in the cartoon series. In the cartoon series, he's more wisecracking, but in this, he is just like a little Joe Pesci in, in oh, a turtle he's furious, mask. Isn't he? like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's one. I'm, you know, they they even make a motif in the film, like an audio motif of the word well, Raphael going, "Damn!" <laughs> you know, he says it like a few times. Damn. <laughs> this, but this is like gold standard stuff in my head here. You know, it's like it occupies a very, very special spot in my yeah, brain. Same, same. So when we were talking about what would we do next, and I was thinking back to our New Year episode, and I was thinking about, oh, let's do one of them Michael Bay Turtle movies, and I thought, well, hang on a minute, you know, let's see the turtle you know the whole turtle cinematic universe and see what there is for me to look at and it turns out that actually every single all of them. Yeah, cinematic turtle <laughs> movie is fodder for this podcast so i thought well you know with any luck we'll be doing you know 500 episodes of this so if i go in with the first one whenever i'm struggling i can just go for the next turtle movie <laughs> yeah. fine. there's something to look forward to listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely so we've established we're all big turtle heads. Um, <laughs> sorry. Isn't that... Turtle heads. <laughs> we're big turtles fans, is what we are. Yeah, we're not turtle heads. We're not poking out of our own anuses. <laughs> James, this is supposed to be a highbrow podcast. This is supposed to be. This you're isn't the, supposed to be a you're podcast. The one who said turtle head. <laughs> but I'm the one who said we all were turtle heads. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a miracle if we get through this. <laughs> <laughs> we were big turtles fans. <laughs> I'm a massive turtle head and I know it, so I'm just going to get a big turtle head. Um, so when did you first see this film, boys? Well, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but I, you know, me and my brother were humongous turtle heads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, d- I don't know because I was like I was amazed to hear that this film was from 1990, which made me four. Oh yeah, you yeah. were, you're, you're I, a I very young turtlehead. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I like, I haven't seen it for a while. I remember watching it on a grimy VHS, possibly pirate VHS. Not. I'm lie. pretty sure the first time I saw it was on a pirate video. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> everyone used to have like a mate who used to go to Malta and get one, and it would it would just it would have shells on the front. And yeah, yeah. I'll give you I'll give you two guesses who showed me this. Nana, Nana. Of course it was my Nana. Nana, straight in. Oh. Speaking of pod alumni, I mean she's had her shirt retired. <laughs> <laughs> She's been on this pod more times than Michael Giacchino. <laughs> I should just raid her like VHS cabinet for uh, films to put on the pod. Do, man, do. It's, yeah, full of, it's full of the good stuff. The shit. good stuff. Fucking <laughs> grief. James, what about you? When did you first see this movie? Yeah, I, I thought I'd seen this in the cinema, and then when I was watching it, I think my dad actually took me to see the sequel, The Secret of the Ooze, yeah. at the uh, Tatton Cinema in Gatley, which is unfortunately not there anymore. Oh, depressing. Um, yeah, I definitely watched this at home, probably like Simon on a pirated video that my dad got off one of his mates down the pub. <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> When you watch something that you've got a lot of affection for because it was a big part of your childhood viewing, and then you try and divorce from that and watch it as an adult, all I could think was, my dad must have been so bored watching these films and being like, <laughs> yeah. literally tearing what little hair he had out. <laughs> like, <laughs> Also, I've got a good, uh, a funny story. I don't know if we'll ever get round to doing Secret of the Use, so I'll tell it now. We, oh, we will. We will. <laughs> Is, uh, I remember being so pumped when I came out of this uh, screening for what I now know to be Secret of the Ooze uh, is that when I was coming down the uh, the stairs in the cinema back into the foyer, there was like a little platform halfway down the stairs. So, you know, where it sort of spiraled round. Uh, anyway, I jumped off three stairs up from this platform as an unsuspecting man was coming the other way and did a flying kick and almost took him out and sent him straight down the stairs. And that was why we weren't allowed to play turtles in the playground. <laughs> the adults had a point, didn't they? They oh, did, God. yeah. Uh, that one in particular, he had a grievance. Yeah, well... <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, I I remember um, certainly with this one, this original one, because obviously I'm I'm a year or two older than you boys, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, just about. So in the morning, my dad called me, uh, and my mum and dad called me into their bedroom, getting up in the morning ready to go to school. And dad had been to the um, UCI in Warrington the night before and got us tickets to that night. You know, to the following night. All oh, right. Cool. So he said, when you come home from school, we're going to go and watch this. And like, it's like, it's like stuck in my head, you know, he only ever did that twice. Right. Um, this, we're talking about, um, Andy Parker, the father, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other time was for tickets to SummerSlam 92 at Wembley. Oh, wow. wow. What a, what a, what a pair. Yeah. Oh so God. yeah, this, this tradition of offering tickets in the bedroom in the morning was only reserved for those two things. And obviously like I, I was beside myself at seeing turtles at the cinema. Cause obviously like all the kids TV shows, uh, you know, like, um, this was before Live and Kicking, but I can't remember what they were called. It was like Gordon the Gopher and all that kind of kind of stuff. They all had um, the trailers running on the show, and a couple of the puppeteers would come on with turtle yeah. heads. And 
<laughs> no, they had heads of the <laughs> of the animatronic turtles. <laughs> no, Jim Henson didn't wander in with a, his underpants full. <laughs> this is not what happened. Um, so yeah, that that was like uh, that iconic for me. And I remember it being good. I've watched it, you know, like a lot of this stuff. Watched it lots and lots of times. And um, I about in late 2000s, I added to my wish list on Amazon a three-film Blu-ray box set of Turtles 1, 2, and 3. But it was 18 quid, and I thought, you just cannot justify this, Rob. And then about two years ago, I had a a voucher came in, and I was like, bingo! Uh, And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they came, but it never came up to watch them. So I finally watched it in Blu-ray last night. So absolutely four. How was the transfer? How was the transfer? Well, never mind joking about turtle heads. I'd still have a turtle head. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, actually. In fact, it actually had a load of deleted bits that weren't in the VHS that I had when we were growing up, actually. so The rumour is there's a lot of cuts going around. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially between the UK ones, because the BBFC were really harsh on it. Yeah. Yeah, to get it a PG. Well, yeah. I mean, especially because especially they had to take out the word ninja. <laughs> yeah. It's quite weird to know which version I watched and which oh. version I watched yesterday. I could not find this for love nor money. Jesus Christ. Oh, seriously? I could not find it. Uh, in a digital space, absolutely not. The only place I could find it was Apple TV. Oh, wow. So we had to buy it on Apple TV and then download it from there. It's not on any of the streamers. It's not on. No. It's not even on Google Play. It's not really? on YouTube Play. It's oh, my not, word. It is impossible to get digitally. It's, yeah. So Yeah, it is on YouTube for free, though, the whole movie. James! I tried to watch that, James, but it looks like a potato. So <laughs> well, that's how I enjoyed it as a child on a pirated video. So it took me right back. At least, at least you're staring, yeah. squinting at the screen from an inch away, like, what is going on there? <laughs> what, what I did notice was that in the cut that I watched last night on Blu-ray, there was a load more nunchuck action than I remember as a kid. Mm. And I remember yes. them being really upset about nunchucks. Yeah. You know, don't know why you know leonardo had a sword <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to be upset about a couple of bits of wood uh but you know yeah obviously they were so fellas before we get into the uh the main um dissection of the film itself we did a t-shirt giveaway competition a few weeks back didn't we We did we did we did we did we did the prize being a extremely original one of a kind to white laughing side <laughs> was i bigging it up a little bit much <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm excited about it. The the prize is a uh, genuine one of a kind uh, FYR t-shirt. So it is genuine one. Um, of a I've kind. got I've got I've got all the names in a hat. Well, it's not a hat. Oh, look! It's actually a, a hollowed out whiskey um, container. <laughs> um, so I've got them all in here. Can you hear that? Oh, it's just like the FA Cup. I've got to piss Rod Stewart to pull out the uh, the whip. <laughs> Is Trevor Brooking just going to come Tre- out from behind the wall? <laughs> Trevor Brooking's here, like Wimbledon. No, <laughs> no, who's a geezer from um, the Champions League? Giancarlo Infantino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the draw would have to take fifteen minutes at least, wouldn't it? If it was <laughs> four hours intro. before anyway, we get to it. <laughs> should we do this? Should we do this? Uh, so everyone who shared and retweeted is in this little pile here, and our winner is Ooh. authentic, lovely. It is. The good folks at Today I Watched a Movie podcast. Oh, where are they based? Don't know. 
<laughs> Fellas, thank you so much uh, for getting in touch and uh, sharing our work. We'll obviously do the same to you. Uh, we'll DM you to try and get some details on where we can send you out a lovely T-shirt. And please take a photograph of, um, well, whoever entered wearing it so that we can, well, you know, sell more merchandise based off your image. Thank you very much. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Capitalism! Capitalism wins for everyone. But thank you to everyone who entered. Uh, dead appreciated. We'll do another one of them very, very soon. In fact, I, I've, I've actually seen what merchandise is coming and you're all in for a lovely surprise. I um, hope you've seen it. You design it. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. I have. <laughs> that's true. Uh, just you wait until there are some FYR branded authentic Timberlands uh, ready to go. Right. So how does tonight's film qualify? Obviously, we know it does. But budget and box office, James, how are we doing? Oh, well. Uh, it does not qualify under our parameters because this was a monster hit. Oh, yeah, it was. So worldwide, this made $201 million off a 13.5 million budget. Wow. It was the highest grossing independent film in box office history to that point mm. because no studio would fund this due to the Masters of the Universe being a massive flop for canon years earlier. Wow! Mm. So even though that it was based on a comic book and it, there was a hit animated television series for children, no studio wanted to touch this. So this was funded independently and then distributed by Universal, I believe. That's crazy. That, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or New Line. Might be New it was Line. New, yeah, well. it was New Line. Uh, Golden yeah, Harvest, yeah. New Line, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Well, that's kind of blown me away a little bit, actually. I mean, obviously, I knew it was a success, but I didn't know it was classed as an independent film. Yeah, and the budget is really low. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it really shows in how it's shot, which we will get into, I guess. But um, Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny how it's an independent movie. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, it definitely can't qualify on that being sort of getting on for 20 times more profitable than, <laughs> you know, than its budget. So in which case, Sai, I'm assuming critically we didn't, uh, it didn't fare thee well. Sorry, I'm just mopping up a, a stream of gin because I spilt my can of gin and tonic. Oh! <laughs> going everywhere. You come to the, the FIR podcast for deep professionalism and that's what yeah, we're talking uh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Went all over my trousers and everything. Oh, no. No, yes, this, of course, qualified on the review side, which I think a lot of the films do, we've we've, we've known in recent weeks. <laughs> Straight off the bat, Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 40%. It's quite a low one. Audience, 81%. Yeah. Uh, similar story on Metacritic. Critics with 51, which incidentally is the highest rating Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie out of, I think there's five, I think. So there's yeah, three originals. Yeah. The two Bay Michael Bay, actually six. The two there Michael is, Bay yeah. and the animated one, the CGI yep. one, which is my favourite. If we're just going to check it out, oh, it is. And then uh, uh, the user rate on Metacritic is a seven point eight, so quite high again. <clears throat> and then Letterboxd three point three. Oh, so, oh one of the highest ones we've had in recent weeks. Oh, <laughs> lovely. It's, it's a good one. Reviews were quite good actually because. Obviously, a lot of it was negative, of course, you know, with a score of 40% on the Rotten Tomatoes, it was a lot negative. Most interesting one was uh, from Lloyd Bradley at Empire Magazine. Again, we talk about how the British magazines are very in line with our tastes, being British. (laughs) So I I don't know when this was actually written, because I think 
the the year Rotten Tomatoes have put it as clearly wasn't the year it was actually published because Lloyd Bradley was like a really old school uh, music and movie editor from the nineties. Yeah. So he said uh, a well-rounded, unpretentious, very funny knockabout adventure, subtly blended so that it's fun for all the family. Oh. Uh, he gave it four out of five. Oh, wow, four out of five. That's really good. That is. Oh, that's awesome. He was one of the higher ones. But we're saying, uh, you know, if we wanted to go to our mate. Uh, Mick LaSalle. Hi, Mick. Hi, dear Mick. Hi, Mick. Let me out of your basement. That's what he's saying. (laughs) Mick didn't unfortunately review this. It was his colleague, Peter Stack, uh, from the San Francisco It's a good name, though. What did he have to say? Metacritic has it 63. So what's that? Two and a half stars? Three stars? He said, violent, gritty, and probably too intense for very young children. But for anybody between the ages of, say, 10 and 10, it's certain to be a crowd pleaser with a fascinating dark tones and menacing undercurrents that are quite a contrast from Saturday Cartoon Fair. So, yeah. I actually think that's a really good review. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really, yeah, good. really good review. There was actually two really good ones. Uh, film 4, This it's an unknown reviewer. By no means exceptional, but you have to admire the turtle performers for their agility and Elias Courtiers for keeping a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) Dreadful. That is a really good point because if the human cast aren't game for this, it's going to absolutely fall on its arse, isn't it? It, It's really funny, that review, because I copied and pasted this verbatim and they spelt uh, Elias Courtiers' name really terribly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard name to spell, though. I can't even pronounce it, let alone... It's a hard name to say, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and the very last one. This is the last one I'm going to do. Uh, Ebert, we've got to go. To Ebert, the main dude. Good old Ebs. Big Eb. Two point five out of four. Oh so yes, that's pretty good. That is good for him. I think that's pretty good. Well, for context, he gave Reservoir Dogs the same score. So oh you know, wow, so doing wow. It right. <laughs> yes. Ebs said this movie is nowhere near as bad as it might have been, and probably is the best possible Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that could ever be. <laughs> 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 Dear me! I mean, I... let's co- talk about our backhanded. Compliment. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear! Not as shit as I thought it would be. <laughs> Thanks, Rog. Given its <laughs> obvious limitations. Uh, so, director-wise, who have we got on uh, behind the camera on this one? Oh, I was delighted to see this. So, I was looking through the credits, and you know who's in the crew. And it's this guy, Steve Barron, yeah. uh, who is an Irish fella. Oh. And I was like going, oh, I'm not familiar with his work. So I start looking down his filmography. He happens to have directed one of my most favourite silly comedies and a film that we will be doing this summer in the lead up to England disappointing us all again in the Euros. <laughs> and he directed Mike Bassett's England Manager. No way! <laughs> yes. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I was just like, what? What kind of filmography exists where those two films are on it? That (laughs) is incredible. He also made Coneheads, and he's a bit of a music video guy, so he's done music videos for Madonna, Michael Jackson. He did Billie Jean. That was him. Oh, what? And Aha as well. So he's uh, a very eclectic career and a lot of TV Uh, work. I think think it's fair to say the man's a visionary. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to, uh, you know, um, filmographies that have surprise, you know, surprise links on um could i draw your attention to one of the cast members in this one um joseph donofrio <laughs> i'm assuming he's a member of the you know the filmic donofrio family but he played a thug in this and also young tommy 
in uh, Goodfellas. Oh wow! And so Joe Pesci's younger younger self. Oh brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's classic. That's a really good. Yeah. So um, that guy's got Goodfellas and. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on his back catalogue. Well, there is an Academy Award winning actor in this film. Did you spot the Academy Award winning actor? What? Oh, yeah. Sam Rockwell. Is oh, yes, yes, yes. As the head thug. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't do any dancing in this one, which is disappointing. But no. Little baby Sam Rockwell cropping up in one of his early roles. He has got like... And he's good in this as well, actually. But he, he has an outrageously <laughs> yeah, He delivers those three lines. <laughs> superbly. We're a family. We're a family. Yeah. <laughs> call this family. Love it. Uh, he's, he, he, yeah, he's got one of the worst moustaches ever committed to celluloid in this film. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. While we're on the subject of like, uh, you know, people who are in the early stages of their career, the editor on this movie was uh, Sally Menke, who was way. very no well known for doing Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, movies. no, absolute yes. way. This was her feature film debut as an editor on this movie. Yeah, and within two years, she's editing Reservoir Dogs for Reservoir Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. That's incredible. And did all of his films up oh. until when she passed away, which is a harrowing story, um, just to bring it down a little bit. She went out for a hike in the hills with her dog and died from heat exhaustion. No way. And was found down a ravine. Oh, what oh a God. loss. She's only 56. No way, man. That's terrible, man. Terrible. Without, you know, there's no great way to bring this back around without sounding insensitive, but... Skeet Ulrich was also in this as an uncredited thug. Yep. Was he? Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that, that was one I This movie's know. got all sorts going on. All sorts going on. Um, so um, let's just cast my line out here. What did you guys think about it? Well, obviously, as a, uh, as a massive turtle head. <laughs> <laughs> James, you are aware that that will never not be funny. Uh, I... <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> We're here for the puerileness. So, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so obviously this is this was a firm favourite in, in my house, as firm as a turtle head can be. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> oh, um, so, so and, you know, I would watch this ad nauseum over and over again on a rainy day until uh, the point that the VHS got warped. So I was interested to watch it again as an adult. Because yes. I probably haven't seen it for a good 25 years. Oh, really? So there's been no point yeah, in, yeah. in sort of the intervening time where you thought you'd whip it out of the VHS uh, library <laughs> at uh, Chateau no, well, no, no, I don't own it anymore. So oh, wow, wow. That pirate video is long gone. No way, <laughs> no way. Um, well, what about you, Si? What, what did you, uh, you know? Very much the same. I was like, massive, I'm not going to say Turtlehead. Yeah. <laughs> you still did. A massive uh, fan of the Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this film for ages, and I was actually quite buzzing to watch it again. Surprisingly, I, in terms of like recent you know, re-watches and what you've seen over the years, I think I've seen the second one more. Yes. Than yeah, I think I've, I have as well. I think I might have too, yeah. Because I vividly remember Vanilla Ice. Like, go Ninja, go oh, Ninja, yeah. go, go Ninja, oh, go I Ninja. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go in too early on the whole Vanilla Ice thing, but the way he picks up the beat in that film and he starts like moving his neck like, along to the... Absolutely and then starts like, yo! <laughs> you know, he turns around and then suddenly he's got ready-made lyrics really to roll. What a complete legend. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it for absolutely ages. And I was I was interested to see how the things what I remember loving about it 
how dark it was and how yeah. gritty it was and uh, how good the animatronics were. I was interested to see if all those things had held up. So yeah, I was I was glad that you'd picked this, Rob. Good excuse to watch it again. Yeah, I, I made my um, kids sit through the first hour of it last night before bedtime and then sent them to bed so I could watch the second four, you know, the last 40 minutes by myself. Obviously, this holds a special place in the heart. But right, so how does the movie open? Well, I'm asking that rhetorically. I mean, I know how it opens. It opens this brilliant sort of, it's a helicopter shot of New York, isn't it? Coming closer and closer and closer to the big city. And there's this foreboding, brilliant, Sewer synth music. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. The music is so good in this. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, so isn't it? Thank you, James. I'm so glad you agree. It is brilliant. Brilliant music. Yeah, and uh, basically we have April O'Neil is the first character that we see on a TV screen yeah. telling us about uh, the crime wave yes. uh, that is being carried out by ninjas across the city. Yeah, succinctly put, yes, they are. And they're called the Foot Clan. Mm. Uh, no one really knows what they're up to, apart from they've got like a base on um, Laird, Laird Island. Did you, did you pick that up? Oh, no, I just thought they lived in a warehouse. Yeah, no, it's, get... um, they say, you know when Rockwell, spoiler alert, at the end says where the baddies are all hiding out, it's at um, East yeah, Warehouse yeah. on Laird Island. Uh, you know, tagging the names of the two creators of the Turtles. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, And, uh, yeah, April is um, the fearless reporter. And we don't get much turtle action for a bit. We really don't. I don't know. We're quite into it, really, aren't we? Because basically what happens is is that we see they establish the crime wave and then April O'Neil is leaving the office for the evening and she gets mugged, doesn't Uh, she? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. But she's saved by a shadowy figure, yes, which turns out to be Raphael. And we have to talk about Raphael's uh, as he's portrayed in this film. And this <laughs> is where I butt up against it. And it's something that I've butted up against since I was a kid. Raphael was my favourite turtle. And I just think he's far too aggressive in this depiction of him. Ooh, in this particular film. I love this. I love this. Yeah, uh, I don't really argue with it. Um, he's equally as aggressive in that TMNT uh, animated movie as well. Where he yeah. goes off the rails as a biker. He works in that for me, though. Does he? Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair I enough. I think that's the the right way to do it, and the way Raph is treated in this one is the wrong way to do. It. I don't know whether Raph was the most popular character because what I found from watching this is Leonardo's not in it at all. No, he's not. And he's supposed he has to, about he's three lines. No, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. from start to finish, it's all about Raphael. Yeah. So. Was he the most popular? Probably. Yeah, it might have been. Maybe, might have been. If they're going to make a whole film based on him, maybe. He's like the renegade one, isn't he? He's yeah. the dirty Harry of the Turtles. Yeah. He doesn't play by the rules, but he gets a job done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he'll, if you're rude to him, he'll throw uh, one of his dagger things between your legs and graze yeah. your, your turtle nuts. Sigh. It's, it, they're it's they're called sigh. Yeah, I know. Uh, I lost a sigh! I lost a <laughs> <laughs> What a good impression that is. I didn't want to say it, Sai, because that's you know that's how I say your name. So I didn't want to say like I didn't want to confuse matters. But um, I lost the sign. <laughs> so good. The guy who did his voice, it's it's not great, is it? It's really not. It's a bit too nasally Italian mobster for my. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does. He reminded me. He, 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 I know he got, later on he goes to the movies, so maybe he's watched too many mob movies. When yeah, he comes out in his flasher jacket in the evening. <laughs> um, but like. <laughs> Yeah, for me, he was far too aggressive and just... He's just a dick, basically. <laughs> like, out of all of them, he's just a bit of a dick. Like, But was that was that part of the whole thing so that um, 
I, I think was he was he that way not just because it's a misinterpretation of the character, but more to galvanize certain story aspects because they, they yeah I, I understand why it's done that way because they have to have the antagonism between yeah yeah Leonardo yeah that's what the, I mean yeah yeah the philosophical oh, we're talking about two fucking turtles here right <laughs> the, no no their philosophical approach to fighting crime is that they're both after the same goal but they're coming at it from two different aspects, yes 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 essentially two different ways of thinking yeah in the cartoon he was always very wise cracking and he was cool but rude yes. Yes. <laughs> right. But That's there was the there was no said. coolness here. There was just a rudeness and that was <laughs> rudeness plus aggression is not a good look. Coolness plus rudeness is a good look, in my <laughs> opinion. Fair, very fair very fair point. And obviously his behaviour um well ends up, you know, jeopardizing his entire family. Oh yeah, of course, oh, yeah. yeah. He's so reckless, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh before long, you end you end up with this scenario where you know they're obviously. I mean, it's quite uncomfortable that they're clearly stalking April O'Neil yeah. and watching her on TV any chance they get. And uh, she gets mugged in the subway. And Raph, that this is when you first see a turtle being like a proper turtle, turtle yeah. thing. Oh, oh no, it's not because it's when we see Casey Jones, and um, yes, and he's coming out of. I think um, Raph has just been to see Critters Three. I think starring Leonardo has, DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was apparently supposed to be Batman he was watching, and uh, they had to. Cut well, it out. can I? That is so pertinent because I feel like this is like Tim Burton light. This film, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. Isn't it is, it? It's isn't it? A lot darker, you know, for a, a film that is going to be enjoyed by young boys essentially. Yeah. During the, you know, that's the target audience. It's very shadowy, isn't it? A lot of that to do yeah. with the budget and to hide the deficiencies with the costumes and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, and yeah. combat yeah. and what have you. But yeah, it does have a very 1989 Batman feel. It to really it, I does. Think. I think so, yeah. Uh, right down to the colour palette, it all looks like it looks in the same universe mm. to an extent. You know, the yeah. alleyways, black concrete and smoke, that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, it all looks looks very much in that sort of world. I think that's one of the strengths of the film. Though, agree, like agree. You know, the, yeah, the, the, the fact it's a... You know, it it looks like an independent movie, and it's it's quite a weird sort of contrast to have what is essentially an independent film, but then have these pop culture characters in it, yeah. within it, and it, you know, in these big costumes and having all these fights. But it's filmed in a way like what French Connection is filmed. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, I think it's, just, it's really nice it's looking. Really movie. It's a really nice it's looking really movie. I think like, like Serpico meets. Uh... It, it, no, seriously, <laughs> it's filmed like a proper, like grown-up searching, you know, movie full of character yeah. development and, and all sorts. Yeah, one of the things because you know when I watch these films for for the pod and I just make a list of what's good about it, and I found that the lighting is just brilliant in it. Yeah, like, the whole film, the lighting is just amazing. Yeah, how. It, it it looks really dark. There's a particular bit at the start when um I think it's Donatello skateboarding through the sewers. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. Brilliant. It just yeah. looks amazing. You're Especially like, that music. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cowabunga! It's it's great. I don't think there's any doubt that the way this film was shot, considering what the subject matter is and how ridiculous the subject matter is. That it looks really good. I agree, I agree. I've got I'm gonna save it for the end, but like I think there's only one real way this film doesn't you know, isn't revered much higher. But and it's nothing to do with look or production value or anything like that. 
But I'll save that for later on. Well, our mate uh, Steve Barron, he got sacked towards the end of the production. Did he? Because the, the producers were worried about how dark the tone of the film was. Oh, throughout. no. But obviously he shot it that way. And uh, I, I think it, yeah. it's a good approach, not just from a filmmaking point of view, given you know that they're trying to make a what is a superhero film on a very, very tight budget. Yeah. But also, it's a really interesting stylistic choice as well. It is, yeah. I totally agree. agree. Yeah, totally. totally agree. And you can see that, you know, tonally, it seems like by the time we get to the second film, obviously they've upped the budget on the costumes a bit. They look a little bit glossier. Yeah. But also, they just seem to have added more fill lights to every scene. <laughs> and it's yeah, not yeah. quite as dark. And suddenly, it takes on a more cartoonish quality. Whereas I much prefer this one. I'd love to have seen five or six movies of these guys set down here doing all sorts, you know, to see what Baron and Eastman and Laird would have done with it. But obviously, you know, wasn't wasn't to be seen. Yeah. So we get like in this first half hour, we get the intros of the turtles. We get um, April O'Neil Splinter. We get the Foot Clan introduced. Yeah. It's all quite wedged in in that first thirty minutes, which. In this modern times of uh, superhero movies where everyone needs an origin story oh, yeah, and yeah. that sort of stuff, it's actually pretty good that they, there's no origin story. No, yeah, I like it. And this they, is what they used to do in, in the 80s and the 90s. In uh, the 1989 Batman, it's a world in which Batman already exists. Yeah, and this is yeah. a world in which the turtles already exist. And then they just fill in a little bit of the backstory. So yeah. basically... Splinter was living in the sewers. There was a bit of radioactive stuff. They all had a little wander through it, and now they're all mutated rat and turtles, respectively. That's it. That's the whole origin story. It's it's done. Job done. Job done. Yeah. Yeah. I I really love that um, bit. I remember, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary on the turtles called Turtle Power, which I think is on Netflix. (laughs) No. Have you not seen it? Please watch it. I am going to. So it's basically about the whole phenomenon of the turtles and it's got interviews from all sorts of people. It's got a really good bit in it where it explains how the creators of the turtles were inspired by the Daredevil comic. Oh, right. Yeah. There's a, re- there's a really good bit in it where it's like, uh, it's all riffs on Daredevil. So the Foot Clan are a riff on the Hand, who are the oh, yeah, 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 Daredevil, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the ninjas in Daredevil. And then I think Splinter is a riff on the trainer of Daredevil who's called stick yes and then i think it's been said as well that the the whole ooze thing how they were in the sewer and the ooze came in and made them what they were was the same ooze that made daredevil what daredevil was right right so it was in the comics it it, you know it's in the street on on the street level and it all goes into the sewer and that's where the turtles were because the 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 guys who wrote it were like massive that's so cool i I love this freewheeling stuff between uh, you know um like franchises, like but done with such obvious love that it's fine. You know, like you, there's no, it's not a problem. We can all love it at the same time. It's really good, and they clearly do. Yeah, watch watch the documentary. We'll do. Yeah, I'd love to see that. It's, got, it's called that Turtle Power. It's amazing. If, if you like the turtles, yeah, watch it. Definitely, ah, cool. Definitely, Lovely. definitely watch it. Does any household items get squashed by a hydraulic press or, during it? Or, um. I think there is a 20-minute sequence where that happens entirely to the plastic toy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blimp. I'd like to see that. <laughs> nice. Uh, but anyway, anyway, back to the movie. Nice, cool, it's cool. Uh, well, you've got um, um, Pennington uh, is April's superior, 
at the yes. um, and uh, his son is falling in with the Foot Clan. He has. He's a naughty boy, and he wears a t-shirt that says Sid on it. Um, does any, yeah, every one of his t-shirts, t-shirts have in, Sid Vicious on it. Yeah, they're all Sex Pistols oh. related. Are they? Yeah. I did not. Know. Yes. So you know, I thought it was just oh, baddies must wear a Sid uniform when I was a kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Before we know where we are, April O'Neil has been saved by Raphael. Yep. He's taken her to the uh, the sewer, yep. where a crafty member of the Foot Clan, who didn't have his head kicked in, <laughs> followed. And <laughs> and he knows where they live. Yeah. And uh, he goes back and tells everyone back on Laird Island. Um, it's, I, I wish they'd foreshad- foreshadowed that earlier, because saying they're on Laird Island is really cool, actually. Yeah. I think that's ace. And um, so they come and uh, duff up Splinter. Not after Judith Hogue, who plays April O'Neil. little more on her shortly. Who says something like, um, I must be dreaming. Why doesn't anyone dream of Harrison Ford? Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford. But so Harrison lovely. Ford is still a good looking man. Like, so that is one of the few pop culture references in this film that hasn't aged horribly. Because some of them really, they're very pop culture, in particular Michelangelo's one liners are like referring to stuff yeah, like. Yeah. God, that sounds like it was out of date in the 1990s, let alone now. <laughs> what, uh, doing Jimmy Cagney impressions, yeah. you know? I mean, like, I know... It, but, but, yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, yeah. That's obviously <laughs> for the mums and dads, isn't it, in the audience? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, can I, you know, am I allowed to say they weren't even that good impressions? No, so caught, just yeah. so we've got that out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, job done. Um, Splinter's gone. He's been taken. Yeah. Splinter is an amazing animatronic, I think. Oh, he's actually. brilliant, yeah. He's a deep rat as well. He's got he's so much knowledge. One. He's like, the best one. Yeah. He'd yeah. be a brilliant life what? coach with Splinter. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. It's quite obvious he's the best animatronic because he spends the most of the time chained to a fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, can I ask, um, boys, what present-day Hollywood actor... Do I most think of when I look at Splinter? Clint Eastwood. No. <laughs> no, no. You've had your shot, James. Sorry. Uh, oh, God. Ryan Gosling. No, Steven Seagal. No. Very good. <laughs> no, no, no. He's not present day and he's never been Hollywood. So, <laughs> uh, James Franco, because they've both got the wettest eyes in cinema. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Both are always on the cusp of tears. Splinter and James Franco. Uh yeah, I I just think he's ace Splinter in this. But his voice is so nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so good. I just I love it all. Love every minute of this. Is it not El- the guy who played Elmo who was the split who was split? Was he? No way. Yeah, I think uh, Kevin Clash who is who spent years and years and years as Elmo. Uh, puppeteering Elmo was Splinter. <laughs> so, really? Which is, yeah, r- ridiculous. Well, that's the Jim Henson connection, isn't it? Because Jim Henson obviously did all the puppets, even though he oh, wasn't happy with the really? amount of violence. But I don't know what he expected from a film called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that there might be some fighting. <laughs> <in it. laughs> Not only is it called that, but it's got the word ninja twice in its logline. Exactly. You know, we yeah, know yeah. what we're coming for. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, Henson did good work, but he's dropped the ball there and not really understood what it is that he's making. <laughs> uh, this is where, for me, right, I like all this. The threat isn't high here for me. Uh, I mean, like, they've got a crime wave going, but it's not escalating anywhere. No. It's just 
They're robbing stuff. Yeah. And the only escalation is when they nick Splinter. Yes. Because the Turtles weren't actually being very proactive against the foot before Splinter no, was taken. No, because they're just so a only bunch of really... kids nicking stuff, aren't they? And the, I think the whole idea is, is that yeah. Shredder's building up his army, isn't he? If he can indoctrinate yeah, and brainwash yeah, yeah. all these impressionable kids, then he's going to have an army, essentially. That was yeah. my understanding of it anyway. And... Uh, and then they kidnap Splinter and the stakes go up, basically. Um, they go up yeah. appropriately in terms of they feel manageable. Like the turtles don't have to save the world. They just have to save their surrogate father. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, or um, as uh, Leo says brilliantly, Splinter. Splinter. Uh, obviously, Casey Jones gets involved. That's all lovely. I love the stuff in the antique store. Yes. That's all ace. Yeah, there's a brilliant fight sequence in there, isn't there, where... Raphael's, there really is. Yeah. Raphael gets so upset that Splinter's been kidnapped because they're all living with uh, April O'Neil at this stage, aren't they? They've mm. just moved in. Bloody latchkey mm. turtles. Yeah. You can't get rid of them. <laughs> Turtle uh, <laughs> And Raph gets all upset and he has a bit of a Barney with um, with Leonardo. And, it's, you know, to blow some steam, he just goes up on the roof and starts doing some martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he just does some like, like, like front flips and just high kicks because he's so angry, yeah, so yeah. furious. Oh, and Casey Jones, who he's had a run in earlier when he was dressed like a pervert out watching at the movies, <laughs> he watches him and then sees the foot sneak up on him. And he does quite well against some Raphael to begin with. He kicks the crap out of a few of them, but then he just gets overwhelmed and gets thrown through the skylight, basically. And then there's a whole <laughs> massive kickoff with the rest of the Turtles and a prone yeah, Raphael lying in the middle of the floor. such a good fight. When I was a kid, this bit really stood out to me because I remember being absolutely yeah. devastated when Raphael got yeah, battered yeah. by yeah. the Foot Clan. I honestly, I don't know what version I watched. I remember, I, I'm pretty sure the version I watched was a lot more darker than what was the, the yeah. film I saw yesterday. Oh, really? Because there's a shot where one of the Foot Clan chucks his sigh over the yeah. roof and in slow-mo. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was just like at the start of the fight. Honestly, I vividly remember that being at the very end after they're kicking seven shades of shit out of Raphael. <laughs> and then it cuts to that and he chucks it away and it's like a bit really fucking dark that Raphael's yeah. been battered. It is. It's, and it's in full daylight as well. That's the first time you see a turtle fight in full daylight in the whole franchise yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. And I, I think it looks ace. Like Whoever's playing Raphael, I'm so sorry, uh, in the costume, um, I'm, I feel like I'd like to give this gentleman his... Um, yeah, so this is Raphael is the only one of the turtles who is play, voiced and played by the same person in the costume. So oh. the rest are done by voice actors and it is a gentleman by the name of Josh Pace. Pace? That is amazing. P-A-I-S. Yeah, I've got him here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he actually pl- he's actually in the costume and doing the voice as well, whereas everyone else is <laughs> stuntmen with voice actors. Yeah, Corey Feldman is... Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Corey yeah, Feldman yeah. got yeah. so screwed over on this movie. He got paid $1,500 to voice Donatello for this because they told him that it was an independent movie and if they were lucky, it might do quite well on VHS. <laughs> So oh my it. god! I hope he renegotiated for the sequel. Put, put, oh, he my wasn't word. in the sequel, James. He wasn't. Was in the he sequel, not? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear me. So bad. I love all that. I, I love the um, 
the music during this, like is really cool. Yeah. And they um escape. Uh Casey Jones comes not a moment too soon, and they escape to a farm. Yeah. And then it gets it gets really reflective, doesn't it, for a bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been defeated, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. A bit like and they're waiting for Raph to recover. He has a convalesce in a bath for about three weeks, which is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> April gets fired. You know, but then then again, when he does wake up, he's still dead surly, you know. Hey, where can I get some food around oh, here? Yeah. Like, I don't know oh, who's God voicing Leonardo, but he's such a loser, right? He's such he a... wants some food. He wants Bring some, some food. food. <laughs> <laughs> Bring you no, I wouldn't follow you into the pub on a Sunday afternoon if you were buying the pints. Like <laughs> the leader of the turtles gets the least amount. Of he has yeah. about four lines live in the whole movie, movie. <laughs> and he's only there because he has the strongest psychic link to Splinter. So after Raph has, has sort of got his back on his feet, and uh, April and Casey have got a uh, budding romance, so they're banging every two seconds yeah. as well. <laughs> No, I mean, are they really? I mean, like he's he's just forcing himself on everyone. I mean, he's like horrendous misogynist. He is a walking hard on, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're living on this farm with no food, no electricity, no amenities. Yeah, and they. <laughs> They wait until they see Splinter in a fire? Yeah, yeah. So they're able to contact him through a uh, combination of telekinesis and fire to have a little chat with him (laughs) because he's been chained to a radiator for what feels like 10 years at this point. (laughs) Still sweating. Uh, Poor James Franco. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, wet eyes Franco. They must be keeping him hydrated, though, because you can't keep your eyes that wet for that long. No, no, they must be getting regular fluid. (laughs) And he's always sweating. It's just, it's so nice. I think, doesn't... rat. <laughs> Doesn't moisture on a puppet make all the difference? It really does. So what a weird thing to say that is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, I love this scene when they contact him. Yeah. And he talks about his final words. Like that really smashed me up as a kid. Yeah. Mm. The problem is, is that when you're a kid and you love something, you watch something over and over and over again, right? That it failed. That after a while, it stops having that emotional impact yeah, 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 yeah. on you, yeah. and you just want to see the turtles fighting or yeah. cracking wise or whatever. Yeah. So I can't really put myself back into that headspace whereby it was emotionally effective. But I did note down a couple of times while watching this, like he is a deep rat. He's got. Some, he knows some stuff. Deep rat. I would go to Splinter as a life coach or a therapist, you know, and just have a little chat with him every week. Yeah, but you you don't always want your you you know your therapist to be wet eyed more than anyone else in the room. Bet, and to be fair, as much I respect the bloke, right? But I bet he absolutely stinks. <laughs> yeah, um, he. There's not much change of clothes going on in this film. It's still the same sodden rags that he was good at. <laughs> I really, but you know when he says he says to him, I love you all, my sons. You know, like, dear me, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. done. And then he disappears and that's it. He's, and he actually says, for my final words. Something like, and I can't remember what he says after that, but it was his final words. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I remember it being like really, really profoundly horrible. And, um, the brothers, the turtles, all look at each other and they all rea- react in different ways. And they are all different yeah, in this yeah, film. Yeah. You know, in terms of a character sense, they are actually all yeah. different. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Donatello and Michelangelo are the closest of the two. They have a bit of a double act thing yes, going on, yes, don't yes. they? But yeah, obviously, Leonardo and Raphael are both too headstrong to be 
really close in yeah. that sense, but they are brothers all the same. And they make the decision that they're all going to go back as one and get Splinter back. So they oh, head yes. back to New York City. Oh, and the music's great again. Um, yes. Again, we really should shout out the composer here, but I don't you know. I, I, I have no idea. No. <laughs> so, but it's, it's Live Googling real. coming up. Live so. Googling coming up. Uh, and they get back in a car that Don and uh, Don, you know, like we're old mates, me and Don. Yeah. Uh, Donnie and uh, Casey have hooked up and sorted out. And um, yeah, they're back. And Danny, the boy, has been staying in the turtle's place. I mean, he is such a little turncoat. He doesn't know which side he's on, this lad. Oh, he's, he's a right, yeah. He's betraying yeah. everyone left, right and centre. As soon as he gets, as they come back, you know, he feigns remorse and then he runs straight off to see Splinter again. And obviously they see him and obviously they go and sort it all out. And I think, like, this is where the film actually fails. There's so much I love about it, granted. But as a story, it's not a great story. Well, it's just a rescue mission. Isn't it, it is, but yeah. I kind of like that, that the stakes are quite oh, low. I, I, I agree, totally. But it, it it's like it's stretched out over 90 minutes and you only really yeah, get yeah. the stakes of a rescue mission, uh, as we were saying, but it's about the hour mark. Before that, there's not really much going on. Yeah, there's quite a bit of padding, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking, right, well, they've come back from the out-of-town farmhouse back to the city, and I was like, all right, we're only just past the hour mark here. How are they going to fill half an hour with this? And they do struggle because yeah, yeah. they're limited in terms of the amount of fight choreography they could do because of the costumes and the budget and etc. And they struggle with that. But they do, one of my favourite bits does come in that last half an hour, which is where we learn Splinter's harrowing backstory. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is, that's not a PG, that, at all. He teases it. Before and I, I remember it, it was season. I was like, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was more to this. And then I was like, oh no, no, it's because it's going to come later on. Yeah, now. there's a full blown. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so harrowing because, like, basically, Splinter's master was a rival of the guy who would go on and become Shredder. I've forgotten what his Oroko Saki. Yeah, he'll always be Shredder to me. <laughs> and basically, Shredder once. Um, is in love with Splinter's master's wife. Wife, yeah. But she has chosen him, obviously, because Shredder is just a little incel, essentially. <laughs> and, like, and he's upset by that. And he murders the wife, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, not only that, he follows her to America, then murders her. Yes. And uh, when he gets home, uh, Splinter's master gets home, he murders him too. It's a, it's an outrageous backstory for a PG. Which is diff- really different is. to yeah, the yeah. cartoon, isn't it? Because in the cartoon, the master was Splinter, wasn't he? He turned into Splinter. Where is it? They changed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He becomes a rat because he's been hanging out with rats. Basically, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. So the oozes, so uh, the oozes in the sewers, and the turtles become more humanoid because they've been hanging out with a man who is. Splinter when he's a man, and then Splinter, who seems to get the rough end of this deal, becomes a rat because that's who he's been hanging out. But so he can't, he can't become a turtle as well. Why? He's been hanging out with this so harsh. Well, basically, the ooze is omnis- omnipotent, and it basically went, yeah, but you've spent more time with the rat before the turtles turned up. Selective so temperamental rats. ooze uh, at hand here. I love yeah. it. Um, and then, um, so they duff up all the foot, and we get to this bit where the movie's all leading to this, but everyone wants to see big smackdown yeah. between the foot and uh, the turtles Shredder. and Shredder. 
as well. Yes. And they have this brilliant rooftop fight, and I think it I think it was really good actually. Turtles don't fare so well against Shredder. No, they no. really don't. No. Th- no. This last half hour is my favourite bit. Like it's so good. Yeah. Shredder is quite a menacing character, isn't he? And they and Oh they he is. is. He's yeah. one of the all time villains. For he them. is, yeah, I'd agree. He could have been super cheesy and super rubbish in a yeah. film context. Because, you know, you take him from the comics or the cartoon. You know, it's a bit like out there, isn't it? But of course, well, yeah. in the cartoon, my understanding is that he's not even like the main villain. He's sort of like Krang. <laughs> Krang oh, is the yeah. main villain. I was always disappointed with that as a kid that Krang wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Like, oh no! Imagine how good a Jim Henson designed Krang puppet would have been. It would have been amazing. I'm, I'm so He's essentially just oh, a bollock have... inside some bloke's stomach. <laughs> 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 uh, I think um, you know. I'm not assuming you've seen James uh, also the Michael Bay uh, Into the Shadows or Out of the Shadows movie, but you've just... I've seen the first one. Which one's oh, the first start, one? The I started watching one. the second one. I saw, I saw the bit where Bebop and Rocksteady became Bebop and Rocksteady and I was like, no, it's, uh, turn it off. Can't do this. Can't do well, it. Well, y- you just might get your Krang live action win <laughs> in that one. Yeah, but if it's CG, I'm not interested. Like, I don't want to oh, see well, it. In which case, uh, you know... <laughs> Did, were you hoping that it was like a green screen bit of Andre the Giant's groin? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they'd, they'd put a little puppeteer animatronic mouth on, uh, on Andre yeah. the Giant. Uh, yeah, I love the um, the fight choreography. is absolutely ace. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Shredder manages to be not a joke, despite essentially wearing a red sequin jumpsuit. Um, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, but he's got big spiky bits all over. Him. He is, so yeah, sparkly. <laughs> it's a he lovely is. little like purple little number with some nice sparkly sequins on it. it. No, it is. Um, I think like it's it's like it's not quite hot pink, but it's definitely in the fuchsia uh, area of things. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, the turtles don't fare so well, and Splinter emerges, and yeah. oh yeah, here we go. It's the two again, right? What happens in the version you guys watched? Um, Splinter starts giving Shredder a life lesson, which he isn't on board for receiving. (laughs) (laughs) At the stage, he's a bit amped up. And he rushes him, and then summer happens. I'm not sure what. Right, but he ends up going over the side of the building and into a garbage truck, and Casey Jones crushes him. Yeah, Casey Jones murders a man quite Right. Let's not forget that. Casey Jones, of all the things that goes on here, Casey Jones is facing the biggest jail time for the homicide of Shredder, basically. He's clearly whistling as he does it. Yeah. Well, they took the sound effect out of him whistling to make it less, like, comical. Well, no, but like, they didn't, murder they man. They didn't like take out the bit where he goes, oops, <laughs> comically and turns it on to squash his head. No, right, so, Sai, what, in your version, right, What that you watched yesterday, what happened when... Uh, Shredder rushed Splinter. Yeah, so it, it was a really harsh cut. I think it was the same one as James watched. It was yeah. a really harsh cut from him rushing Splinter to then him being suddenly over the top of the roof on, right. onto an aerial. Uh, and then he, he falls in the in the bin thing and then Casey Jones presses it and then all the audio's cut out. So Casey Jones is clearly whistling or saying something. It's all yeah. cut out. Right, I've got the whistling. On the on the Blu-ray, I've got the whistling, but what I've also <laughs> so he comes across as like Hannibal Lecter, basically. <laughs> uh, so, but what I've got is Splinter's there, b- 
beckon him, him on. He runs at him. And then there's a little cut that's put in that I'd never, ever seen before of Splinter's hand going to the nunchucks that were... You remember they all threw their weapons over the top? There was uh, a shot where the nunchucks wrapped over the ladders, wasn't there? There was, yeah. 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 Well, in my version, he grabs the nunchucks... Split. He comes forward with let's. It's a spear. He's trying to get do yeah, splinter yeah, yeah. with, and as he gets to him, right. And I'd never seen this. And I nearly, you know, I nearly had a turtle head of my own last night when I watched this. Um, <laughs> he splinter grabs, pulls out the nunchuck, spins it, and catches the end of the spear, tangles it up, and flips him over the top. Yeah, I didn't see so that. So he, he's over the top, it. and no, then splinter puts out a hand, and they grab each other. Does that happen in yours? Yeah, yeah. You will die. You die without honor. Yes, yeah. Yes. And then yeah, did yeah, you yeah. see? Did you see um, Shredder get a little knife out? No. Sh- oh yes, yes, I did. You yes, did. Yes, oh, yes, so yes, you've seen yes. the same thing as me then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets a little knife out and he says something like, ah, you know, and stops. He's gonna chip Splinter. That's what's gonna <laughs> yeah, happen. Yeah. It's outrageous. You will die without. He goes for the knife and then. Splinter realizes and either drops him or he wriggles free. Yeah, to stab yeah, him yeah. He's, he's still not he the ends up in the back of a bin lorry, doesn't he? So. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so lucky. You know, uh, Casey Jones obviously then decides that homicide's the order of the day. And then my favorite bit after that is that when the police arrive, he stood on top of the garbage truck, <laughs> waving them in and pointing at the garbage truck, going, "He's in here!" You know, presumably <laughs> dead. Like, and he's going like he's. Doing- <laughs> On the top waving. It's like, you know, a murderer Mania. when you go to his crime scene going like, what's happened? Like, I don't know. It was mega though. <laughs> it was great. It's like uh, when John Doe turns up at the police station at the end of Seven. It is. It's like, detective! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Covered in blood. Not nearly as happy. Um, and then, uh, you know. How he, managed to, how he managed to get off with April O'Neil is ridiculous. This is yeah. not suited at all. No. A hobo, a hobo sports fan. Hobo vigilante hobo. sports fan. <laughs> failed hockey player. That is, I will never, ever forget Casey Jones being described as a hobo sports fan. <laughs> failed athlete. <laughs> April O'Neil, like, wonderful uh, journalist who... May I say is the inspiration for my my missus, my missus is a journalist, and her main inspiration was April O'Neil when she was a kid. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing! <laughs> uh, uh, that's such Maybe a I'm Casey to... Jones then. Hang on. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Are you <laughs> put that cricket bat down? <laughs> uh, and then and then it's over. And the yep. turtles are happy. It's not very clear because it stops so abruptly that we don't know whether the turtles and everyone in the street are having a big old dance or yeah. whether they've got back in the sewers. I just don't know. Oh, no, they're on the roof, aren't they? And they do cowabunga. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm assuming that they're like, oh, best get down now. Um, yeah, yeah. And then thus starts one of the greatest ever post credits theme song of all time. <laughs> I saw... Uh... She's a she's a film journalist who said, "What's your favourite uh, song written specifically for a film?" Uh, and this is mine. I think. I think I'm with you, mate. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. I think this is like a precursor to the slightly inferior 
Deepest blue is my hat is like a shark fin. Well, that's, that would be my pick. Actually, I think it's a close run thing. But like, I think I think this is the big the big brother to that one. You know, you know, like this that is the, and, that and Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, call is... honestly, this and uh, Partners in Crime, spelled K R Y M E, by the way, for um, no reason. For no reason whatsoever. <laughs> no reason whatsoever. Um, <laughs> the 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 rapping voice, you know the. It's, a, it's one heck of a voice. It's unbelievable, this song. It's so 80s, 90s, isn't it? It's so Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a fucking great song. What a great It's an absolute banger. Song. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's actually my two-year-old uh, nephew's birthday on Saturday, and I've been entrusted with a playlist, and if we get 80 minutes of this on repeat, they'll be lucky. <laughs> 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 so, boys, favourite bit, what are we looking at? So my favourite parts are the two flashbacks because I just cannot get over uh, how brilliant the little baby animatronic turtles yeah, are. Yeah, they really are good, aren't they? Yeah. Pizza! And when they st- pizza! Pizza! <laughs> pizza! Yeah, that's great. Uh, but my absolute favourite is... Um, is during Splinter's harrowing backstory where he's doing rat ninjutsu inside a tiny little cage. And he's a little animatronic rat and then uh, basically gets his ear chopped off by Splinter and it's sits there forlornly. How he didn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actor at that year's Academy Awards <laughs> is beyond me. It's up there with Sandler being snubbed this year. <laughs> Bobby Boucher and Splinter sitting on the subs bench. <laughs> so yeah, two two flashbacks. Uh, but yeah, those little animatronics—they just—they've always uh, I've always enjoyed those parts. Yeah, I'd watch a whole movie of those little animatronics. <laughs> yeah, they're so cool. The, the lighting is so good, isn't it? That, yeah, that that was my favorite. Yeah. Like Master Splinter as a as a rat practicing jitsu in his little cage <laughs> and getting bigger. Like, Did his master never turn around again? What is that rat doing? <laughs> you know, did his master never turn around and go like, I'm having a breakdown here. I've got a rat in a canary cage. Why did he have a rat in the first place? I don't understand. What's Why wrong with me? Especially a rat what could mourn really effectively over his dead wife. So like, there's a, there's a seat where he's over his, his master's wife and he's like, ah, <laughs> Like Willem Dafoe in Platoon. Ratatouille. It's like you're either a ninjutsu warrior or a pastry chef. I love it. You know, the idea of uh, the master going to the pet shop in Japan, like, have you got a really sensitive rat I can put in a birdcage? <laughs> have you got one? <laughs> How do you think you'll take to ninjutsu? Oh, yeah. Do you and th- living in do a canary cage for no reason. Right <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I, I, you know, there's so much of this I like, so many big moments I like, but I've never seen... Right, boys, how would you... Right, in your heads, imagine the word cricket written down. You can't really get that word wrong, but I've never seen someone, you know, like, maul it as much as Casey Jones does in this film. (laughs) Cricket, 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 six runs. Cricket, you know, uh, yeah, that I love that. Um, and the fact that he uses, you know, fair enough, he's you know, he's a tough fella, isn't he? But 
cricket batting someone in the face. I mean, <laughs> so he's, he's gone. It's, we're GBH early in the film. <laughs> By yeah. the end, we're a murderer. This is a tale of Casey Jones' descent into absolute madness. This film. <laughs> <laughs> Homicidal mania. <laughs> it was added in by the director, I think, because he watched a cricket game while he, uh, well, he's Irish, isn't he? And he watched a cricket game and he added his, uh, added it into uh, Casey Jones's locker of sports paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, sports, sports paraphernalia. <laughs> I love, you know, I love how gradually the, the the, this film is getting, you know, like it's more, it's less about the turtles and more about this sports fans fall from grace. <laughs> Yeah. The turtles didn't exist. It was actually all in Casey Jones. <laughs> you know, I love that. You know, can we just talk? Uh, <laughs> what a terrible disguise, Ralph. You know, like right. If I just wear a coat and a big hat, I'll be absolutely fine. And then he and looks look- like he's going to get his knob out at any point. Like. <laughs> And then you know when when they see his is you know is is completely hairless bright green head. Casey's like, are you one of them punkers? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he's not. What is wrong with you, man? No, actually, we should give him a give him a bit of slack because he's clearly undergoing some sort of psychosis, as we've seen from the <laughs> yeah. film. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, for your reconsideration, what are we saying? Okay, so. We we're all massive turtle heads. We've uh, <laughs> established that. Stop it. So Continue. what I will say is, objectively speaking, so without having, if you were going to watch this film without having the nostalgia and the baggage that we bring to it in terms of it being big parts of our childhood, I would say that your regular person on the street would probably say this is not very good. But but. I'm giving this a pass based almost entirely on that nostalgia and how it took me back to feeling like a little kid again when I was watching it. So watching as an adult, the goofiness can great and what they've done to Raphael is borderline criminal, in my opinion. (laughs) He's basically Nicky Santoro in a turtle's mask. Hashtag not my Raph. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. That said... The animatronic work is top-notch, the other turtles are fun, and the human cast are game, which is essential for this kind of film. It would fall on its arse if the humans weren't into it. Uh, Shredder remains one of my favourite villains, and the film does a good job, given the limited means of creating a turtles universe without a convoluted origin story. I think Marvel, DC, and Michael Bay in particular should take note the stakes are high but manageable for our heroes in a half shell and the fight choreography is mostly well executed given the clear constraints of the costumes. I think this is worth a revisit if you grew up with these movies. However, a better overall entry point and how I will likely introduce my son to the Turtles uh, would be the animated series that preceded it because it is better. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... Yeah. Flipping heck. Comprehensive. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna. Uh, so I recently uh, introduced my brother to Letterboxd. Oh yeah. He's recently had a, a his second child. He's found himself while well, he's looking after his son. He's found himself having time to watch movies. So I've introduced Letterboxd, and by coincidence, he watched this the other day. My man. So I, I want to read his review to sort of because this we're very similar, me and my brother. So <laughs> his review so kind of sums my feelings up. Practical effects heaven. Stands up after all these years and transports you right back to being, for me, a six-year-old kid. Still hurts seeing Raph getting battered by the Foot Clan. 
Also, a lovely bonus to see Sam Rockwell. (laughs) (laughs) The moody lighting and the flashbacks is beautiful. If you're a grown-up kid from the 90s, worth another watch for the nostalgia alone. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, James, and it's exactly what I feel about it. Like, that's... He sums it up very well, all oh, my, my bro does. Um, mm, definitely. I'm totally in the same ballpark as that. I love Shredder. He's like a really menacing bad guy, and I really love that. As yeah. soon as he's introduced, for me, the film turns into yeah. a really good watch. I think the first half hour is a bit cheesy and a bit, you know, the jokes are a bit crap and the script is a bit crap. Yeah. But from Shredder being introduced onwards, I think it's really, really good. The animatronic stuff is brilliant. Uh, yeah. The tiny uh, splinter practicing ninjutsu in a cage is <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen in a comic book movie ever. <laughs> it's so good. It's lit so well as well. Like yeah, really, yeah, like, yeah. Lovely little like tiny, just like backline. Yeah, you know, it's just like him, just like doing some ninjutsu moves. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> and the fight scenes are really badass, considering the guys have to do it in these ridiculously heavy animatronic masks and horrendous costumes and yeah, yeah. and all that. It's all practical. Um, so yeah, all in all, the practicals, I think, are the strongest element of the flick itself. And it all still looks really good, despite it being, what, 30 years old? Bang on, yeah. bang on, mate. But yeah, like James, I think the consideration hinges on your age and your investment in the Turtles as a franchise. And I think that's where you're going to get more out of it. It's clearly for boys who were born in the 80s and 90s. Over <laughs> that, I don't think you're going to get <laughs> Well, apart, apart from your fiancé, obviously, Simon, who is a big yes. influence. She, she she yeah, that, that's her main... When she goes for interviews, uh, so what inspired you to be a journalist? April O'Neil, obviously. I love it. <laughs> but but not the Megan Fox version. No, that didn't ring as true. Uh, yeah, um... Not my, you know, what was it? Not my Raf hashtag. Hashtag uh, not my Raf. Yeah, um, she's not my April, uh, Megan Fox. <laughs> so, you know, Judith Hogue always gets that. She's great. I think she's She's great, really guys. good, isn't she? Really, really good. I, I I just think you've summed it up so succinctly, lads, that I can't really add too much more that hasn't already been said, other than just to acknowledge that I agree with you both um, in full, really. It's impossible to split this from how I feel about Turtles growing up. So I can't. I'm not even going to try to do that because I think, like, if you were to say to me now, you know, Rob, <laughs> with no prior knowledge, um, would you like to watch this film about four turtles that get mutated and they've got a rat in a canary cage? I'd be like, Are you joking me? Yeah, there's no way I'm going to sit <laughs> watch this. So I, you know, but put that aside. Um, I think this is really good. I really do think it's really good, and I think it's comfortably the best turtle film ever made. Although I have a real soft spot for the second, which might be coming to a podcast in a year's time, maybe. But I think that um, the animatronics, as we've said, are brilliant. And I think they were kind of groundbreaking at the time because I'd never seen anything in a puppet sense that moved the way these things do. So agile, weren't they? They They really are, yeah. The costumes are absolutely brilliant. Shredder again, totally brilliant. But like you say, the acting and the commitment from the actors, um, the human actors, I should say, is all perfect and totally sells everything that that you need to sell to get involved and get on board something like this. I love the tone of it. I think it's actually really brave considering that the tone of the the animated series that preceded it was not like this. Mm. So this is, you know, obviously this is going back far more to its comic book roots and is the darkest um, of all the Turtle films. What I would say is I really wish that um, the story had a bit more oomph 
I don't mind that they're trying to save something that's, you know, moderately attainable. That's great. That's fine. But a bit more twists and turns in the story would have been good because it's quite it's quite linear, isn't it, really? You know, something goes wrong and um, they convalesce yeah. and then they come back. And that's three things I've said, but it takes them over, you know, 100 minutes to do it. That said, this is absolutely great. I think it's a genuinely good film. I think it, it's it got all sorts of echoes of Tim Burton's work on the Batman franchise. And if you're our age, it's um, totally iconic. So, yeah, reconsider this, please. Four. Lovely, Four. lovely, lovely. Lovely. Right. Thank you very much for listening. Please hit us up on Twitter at FYFilmPod. You can grab us on emails, not that anyone ever has done, on reconsiderpod at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, even though we say it every week. <laughs> and uh, please, please uh, keep sending us those five-star reviews. Um, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. See, See you later, boys. Splinter! <laughs> <laughs> That's an outro. That's an outro. Can we finish right there? Done, done, done. Splinter. <laughs>